0: Hi, I'm Michaela from Columbus, and I would absolutely recommend 3C. Because the accident wasn't my fault, 3C stepped in to handle the other person's insurance company, so I didn't have to do a thing. While they were fixing up my bumper, they actually fixed up a few of the scratches that were there, and now it looks brand new. I would totally recommend 3C to my friends and family, and I have been. (laughs) 3C! Experience the joy of watching your friends and family's faces light up when you feed them wild game you harvested and made them delicious sausages or meat you barbecue and grill with the finest seasonings available. Visit our friends at Waltons.com to find everything you need to turn wild game into tasty meat snacks or spice up your barbecue with new flavors and seasonings. With over 500 seasonings to choose from, there's something that everyone will love. They even have step-by-step videos and how-to articles at VGISTICS to help you go from animal to edible. Use coupon RANGERS15 at checkout to save 15% on your first order at waltons.com. Waltons, everything but the meat.
1: This is Texas Rangers announcer Eric Niedel, and you're listening to the Ranger Report podcast, as you should be. The Ranger Report. Yeah, the Ranger.
2: inside scoop
1: listen to the ranger report oh here we go this is the ranger report podcast news insights predictions interviews and information about the texas rangers from the major leagues to the minor leagues And now, here are your hosts, Ben Dieter and C.J. Berryman.
2: I always like to tell everyone we had Victor Rojas on one time and it was a great interview. And then after we finished, I realized I never hit record. (laughs) So we basically just had a phone call and talked to Victor Ross for a little while
0: and nothing came of it. Victor told Ben. Can
1: I tell you that in this industry, uh, that happened to me once when I was in college. And I don't know how, but I I went to a Washington Bullets practice. um, And I was going to interview Tons, but I interviewed Phil Schneer for about ten minutes and never hit the record button.
0: <laughs> that it feels so. T- and Victor was cool about it. He gave Ben hell. He said, uh, "Man, I gave y'all my best
1: stuff." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember the interview with Schneer. Like, man, this is really good. I'm, I'm getting somewhere for this. <laughs> yeah, that's bullets.
0: Washington yep. bullets. Yeah, that was. They were the bullets back when I was a kid. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch Richmond. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll get it started.
1: All right.
2: Welcome to the Ranger Report Podcast, everybody. I am Ben Dieter. You can find me on Twitter at BDieter75.
0: I am CJ Berryman. You can find me at CJB underscore RR.
2: And you can find our guest today every evening on the Rangers Radio Network calling games. Matt Hicks, how are you doing, sir?
1: Doing well. Doing well, fellas. How are you?
0: Doing great. Doing good. Always, Always good after a Ranger win. Yeah,
2: well, we're very happy to have you back on. We love talking to you. So let's start with, I think this is a good one to start with. Let's talk a little bit about the streak that Nathaniel Lowe is on right now.
1: Yeah, it's really it's really something to watch, and it's a lot of fun because when a guy is hitting like he's hitting right now, uh, every at-bat, you know that something special could happen. And here in the last couple of games, the last game in uh, Denver, in the game to open the uh, series with Detroit at home, uh, he's hit a couple of tape measure shot home runs. And when he hit the one the other night, or the other day, rather, uh, in Denver at Coors Field, my jaw literally dropped. Just like, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> and then he ends up hitting one that was about the same distance uh, at home. And so yep. it's just, it's, it's remarkable. center field I, shot?
0: That center field shot? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's funny because, um, Eric called that home run, uh, the one at home against Detroit. And then his next time up, he was actually leading off an inning that I was doing. And I started it out by saying, all right, here we go. Nathaniel Lowe at the plate. It's appointment listening. You've got to be ready. And the first pitch he hit about 390 feet from home plate. It was caught out in center field but you just, you just don't know. And he's so, he's so locked in right now and it's really, you know, it's really cool to see early in the season. I know that, you know, he had a little trouble with velocity uh, and he was <clears throat> getting maybe a couple of hits against high velocity by going the other way, which simply meant that, you know, he was a little bit late on pitches, but he was not late enough that he didn't miss and he put the ball in play. And, and that's what's I think so good about him right now is that he's making such good contact and driving the ball and to all fields. So, you know, the home run that he hit uh, at course field was pulled to right field. The one that he hit at home uh, was a shot to center. And of course, you know, he's among the league leaders and balls hit to the opposite field. So it's tough to defend against him because you can't really shift because he might go the other way. He's not necessarily looking to go the other way, but, if he gets a pitch that's outside that he can drive, he'll drive it the other way. Um, right now, it's it's just, it's hard to get him out.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's been. I think Stanler said the other night since 2016 is the last time Elvis Andrews did it in 2016, I believe, is what Sandler said that last time a Ranger actually hit a 300, and it was a 302 by Elvis Andrews and Nates. His his batting average is creeping up towards 300. How neat would it be to see him hit 300 and just go into the offseason really on this, this kind of roll if it continues through September?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is something in this day and age to talk about a guy maybe hitting 300 when <laughs> 15, 20 years ago, there were, you know, two dozen guys in Major League Baseball that routinely hit above 300. And now, you know, you only have a handful of guys that are qualifiers, at least. And hitting over three hundred, and I think going into play today that uh, Nathaniel is around two ninety eight, something like that. So it's it's worth talking about because yeah. you know the batting average statistic has been uh, a much maligned statistic here in recent years, but I think it still means something. It's not everything, but it still gives you an idea about what kind of hitter uh, we're talking about. And so I think uh, with Nathaniel, that the three hundred is certainly attainable um you know i i mentioned this yesterday that he was on a he's on a pace this year for about 175 hits which also takes us back to elvis andrews in 2017 the last time a ranger had as many as 175 hits so i think that that's also um, attainable elvis in 2017 i think he had 191 hits so i don't know if nathaniel is going to reach that 190 um uh, of course it used to be the case that we would talk about a guy being uh uh, someone that could collect 200 hits in a season. There just aren't many people that can do that these days because getting 200 hits means you're in the lineup every day and you're definitely having to hit 300, you know, to get to that uh, yeah. level. But but Nathaniel is taking us back a little bit in baseball to times when, you know, uh, a 300 hitter was not necessarily a, uh, a uh, an everyday thing, but something that you saw a lot more often.
0: Yeah, I miss the good old days of Rusty Greer hitting 330, <laughs> 320 every
1: year. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, look, picking up the paper and see, well, Tony Gwynn's hitting 356. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah Tony so, Gwynn was amazing at the plate. It was it's so impressive to watch him hit. And let's speak it, let's talk, let's flip it over to another guy who's got who's hitting a, very impressively right now. Adolis Garcia extended his hitting streak to twenty two, And that is kind of gone under the radar because Nate Lowe's doing such special things <laughs> but um, you know Adolis is hitting 256 this year and I would have said hey if you get 250 out of Adolis and, and with the power and the, and if he gets on base more hey that's that he's your he's your one of your outfielders moving forward and I think he's proven this year that he's here to stay would you agree
1: Yeah I would uh, definitely agree with that you know last year Adolis uh, got you remember he didn't start the season with us last year he came up yeah. early And uh, he was just a house of fire early on. And the first two months of the season, he was uh, terrific. He made the all-star team. Uh, And then in the second half of the season, especially the the ceremonial second half after the all-star break, he just kind of faded. Um, And people wondered, okay, so is he just a half-season wonder? Um, And then this year, you know, maybe he didn't start out like a house of fire, but the power was certainly there and now he's got this combination he's you know he's a 2020 guy uh, already the first one in the big leagues to do it and now he's on this 22 game hitting streak that isn't exactly the kind of hitting streak that says you know i'm i'm here to uh you know i'm i've come here to drink your beer um <laughs> it's 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 the hitting streak that shows that he's made adjustments and he's become i think a different more mature hitter this year you know the the hitting streak was uh, extended yesterday with a with a ball that rolled about eighty feet from home plate. Little chopper. Uh, he's done this more often than not now, where he's extended this streak with an infield hit. Uh, but he's popped the occasional home run. He can still drive the ball. I don't think that he is going to the plate thinking, "Okay, I need to get one hit today to extend the streak." I think that what we have seen from him is a guy who has chased a lot less. Therefore, he finds himself in some more favorable counts. He'll still swing and miss uh, quite a bit because the strikeout totals are there. Uh, But you also see at-bats this year where he swings and misses. He takes a violent cut or two and doesn't make contact. And then somewhere deeper into the count, he does make contact and he puts the ball in play. So, yes, he's, he's hitting for a better average. During the streak, he's hitting about 310, again, which isn't completely dominant. It's not like what Lowe is doing, where Nathaniel, I think, and I don't know the exact number, but he's reached base safely in like 29 of his last 31, and he's batting about 340 or 350 over that stretch uh, with some power. So for Adolis, it's been here in the second half, here in the ceremonial second half, about 35 games. In that 35 game stretch, he's hitting a little over 300. Uh, it's kind of funny because last year at the same time, um, he's basically got the same number of doubles in home runs since the all-star break, but his batting average is about 95 to 100 points higher. So it's just a guy who's making more contact, who's learned, um, to be a little bit more disciplined in the strike zone, not chasing as much outside the strike zone. And what you're seeing is a guy who is definitely impacting our lineup.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. Speaking of impacting the lineup, another guy I wanted to talk about is Bubba Thompson since he's been called up. Bubba was hitting, you know, like crazy at AAA, had a great year, stole something like 52 bases, I think. It was ridiculous. Then he's come up, do you think, I mean, if you were a betting man, would you bet that anyone's ever going to catch him stealing? <laughs>
1: Well, I think the numbers in the minor leagues, AAA, where he stole 49 bases in 52 attempts.
2: That's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah.
1: Think about that kind of success rate (laughs) in this day and age where essentially what the numbers say is in order to be successful in stealing bases, you need to be stealing uh, successfully about 75% of the time. Well, he's off the charts because he's 49 out of 52 in AAA, and I think he's 7 for 7 already or maybe 8 for 8, whatever it is, um, here in the big league. So that's 56, 57 steals, and he's only been thrown out um, three times. So he's got elite speed, and I think that it's it's obviously it's evident on the bases. I think it's even more evident out in left field where he's made some incredible plays Uh, and not necessarily on balls. He's gotten good jumps on. I mean, he's made some terrific plays on balls where um, he didn't get a good jump and he still got to it. There was a play recently in uh, Minneapolis where Byron Buxton hit a line drive, sort of a a sinking snap hook kind of line drive, and Bubba didn't see it off the crack of the bat, and he had a little trouble with the background playing out in left field, but then once he got on his horse and he ran hard to his right, he was able to make a running catch, not a diving catch, but a running catch on a ball that he had to bring his glove across his body. He caught it about ankle high, shin high, Uh, and even as he approached the ball and was closing on it, my thought was, well, he's not going to get it, and then he ends up getting it. Um, So he's a special talent. And then, you know, the question, of course, in in him coming up was, well, is he going to be able to hit enough to get on base to, you know, make an impact on the bases? And, well, he's got hits in something like 10 of his last 11 Mm -hmm. with a plate appearance or 11 of his last 12. So he is certainly getting on with regularity at the bottom of the order. And, of course, that helps to take you back to the top of the order and get things going all over again.
2: Yeah, and a lot of people don't. Think he's an everyday player with a bench guy. Do you think, I mean, going forward, the Rangers could use a guy like him coming off the bench, but do you think he can earn his way into an everyday role?
1: Well, it's almost there now. I don't know yeah. as though they're there now, but you you know that we've had 12 different guys play in left field yeah. this year. Twelve. That's wow. like half of our position player roster that's that's yeah. played at some point during the season has played in left field. And Bubba has kind of helped to stabilize that. Now that Cole Calhoun is back off the injured list, you know, you figure that Cole is going to see some time in, in left field as well. But right now, you know, Bubba is not just hitting left-handed pitching. He's also hitting right-handed pitching. Now yeah. the the power that he displayed in AAA hasn't translated yet um, here to the big leagues. But I think that what he is doing right now is certainly good enough to help keep him in the lineup. Yeah, and if you if he sticks
0: in the lineup every day, which I, I mean he's he's showing that at least early on he can. I mean he's at the plate; he's hitting two seventy four with the three twenty eight OBP. You want to see that OBP with him, especially you want to see that OBP. Yeah. And uh, but the pop is there. We we've seen that in AAA and or in and AA, so you know it's there. But uh, you know you combine him with Laoty. And Adolis moving forward, I, in my opinion, that's the best defensive
1: outfield in baseball, and hands down, no doubt about it. It's three center fielders. You've got yeah. three fielders essentially covering the outfield. And you're right, because leodi has got incredible closing skills. And, and Adolis, you know, covers a lot of ground as well. And the other thing that's good about all three of those guys, they all three have great arms. Yeah. So, you know, usually when you're talking about a good outfield, you're talking about some speedy guys that have, You know, good first step reactions and maybe one or two of them have a good arm uh, and, and guys have certain strengths in the outfield where a guy might be better going back on balls as opposed to coming in on balls. And it seems like all three of these guys are just good in every element of being a good defensive outfielder.
0: Yeah, and then if you if you look to next year, and, and Bubba keeps playing like he is, and, and Laoty keeps playing like he is, and they and don't forget
2: being, uh, don't forget Eli White when he comes. That's back. where I was about to go.
0: That's about <laughs> sorry. Right was I about to go, Ben? Thanks, Ben. Sorry, no, sorry <laughs> about that. You, and Eli White. I mean. That's a, that's a fourth outfielder, a bench player you would love to have. And I think that would be just outstanding uh, moving forward it, when Eli White comes back healthy to have that fourth outfielder that can do the same things in the outfield that the other three can do. But uh, we'll flip it over here to Tony Beasley. Obviously, he's kind of managing for uh, – he's interviewing for the managerial position, I guess, right now, you could say, moving into next year. And it's not uh, out of the question that he could – definitively be the the manager next year how do you feel that he is done thus far it seems like at least in his interviews it's refreshing to to see that he doesn't pull any punches and he will call players out he won't say their names exactly but you know who he's talking about (laughs) when he calls them when he when he does his interviews and it's kind of refreshing to have that but he he's no nonsense and he's going to say what what he feels
1: Yeah, and I think that goes back to, um, I don't know as though we've heard it anywhere here recently, but a few years ago when Elvis was with us, um, there was this moment, and it's been reported, and I wasn't there. I didn't hear it for sure, so I don't know exactly what the words were, but, um, you know, Elvis was having a a sort of a a little bit of a tough time uh, at that point in the season, and and Tony, uh, as the story goes, went up to him and said, you know, you're not very good. (laughs) <laughs> um, right now, um, so when, when you're talking about the brutal honesty, but I mean, it's not just him saying something like that to him, it's approaching him and going, Look, I got to bring you to reality. Uh, here's the situation, and here's what you need to start doing to get back to being the Elvis Andrews that is an elite player, you know, in the major leagues. And so sometimes. You know, a guy might need that the sort of uh, a figurative slap in the face, uh, but, but who knows? But, but when you talk to other people, what you find out is that uh, Tony Beasley is a pretty good um, people person in terms of managing personalities and the kinds of, um, you know, you've, you've got so many different kinds of personalities in a clubhouse. And so at times a guy needs a pat on the back. At times a guy needs a kick in the rear. Uh, and then there's a lot of stuff in between, and Tony seems to have a, a pretty good feel for that, but I think also that players are pretty good at responding to him and and listening to Tony and realizing that you know he's been around and the other thing that that people don't get a chance to see or hear are what we get a chance to experience with other people uh with other clubs telling us that man, this has been a long time in coming, Tony, getting an opportunity like this. And so it's a small number of games. It's essentially basically a quarter of a season or a little bit more than a quarter of a season. You know, is it a tryout? Yes, obviously it is a tryout. But, um, you know, he's going to do what he can with what little time he has. And obviously right now he's he's putting his best foot forward there was a uh, there was another pitching coach here recently with uh, another club and uh, we sat down and we were talking about a variety of things and he brought up tony and he said that every time that he's been asked about tony beasley as a manager his response was this opportunity should have come a long time ago. Uh, And that anytime anyone says, you know, is there somebody out there that, you know, you think would be a really good manager? He says his first response was Tony Beasley. So I think that Tony is well-respected throughout the game. This one particular pitching coach isn't the only guy that's a coach or a front office, a person who has said something similar like this to me here in the last couple of weeks. So uh, it it's kind of neat to see. And, and, and for me, it's neat, too, because, you know, I knew Tony back when he was a player coming up in the minor league system of the Baltimore Orioles. We were together in 1990, 1990 uh, <laughs> in Frederick, Maryland. Uh, It was my second year as a broadcaster. It was the second year for that particular franchise. Tony was coming up as a second baseman in the Orioles organization. and We won a ring together back in 1990. So, you know, obviously, I don't think that's something that's in the offing here for 2022. But uh, (laughs) Tony Beasley is a championship type guy all the way around.
2: I couldn't agree with you more. All right, so Ezekiel Duran's having a good time. Josh Smith has been up and down and good. He got sent down, but all Ranger fans are clamoring for this guy to be called up at some point, and that's Josh Young. He's batting three hundred. He has a, let's see, I just had it. His OPS is 1037, I believe. Nope, that, yeah. Yeah, 1037. 1037. Yeah. So he is, I mean, you know, what else does he need to do? What do you think the Rangers are waiting on to call him up?
1: I have no idea because I am not a good talent evaluator. I'm also, I'm also not privy to those kinds of decisions. You know, for all that time that I was in the minor leagues, I'd see a guy and go, man, this guy's really something else. He ought to, And then he never makes it to the big leagues. And then, and then there's a guy and and I'll say this because he's starting for us tonight. I'll be particular. Dallas Keuchel came up in the Houston organization when I was broadcasting in Corpus Christi. Mm-hmm. Saw him for a portion of the 2010 season and then a pretty good chunk of, of 2011. And if you had asked me back then, well, is uh, is Dallas Keuchel a potential Cy Young candidate? And my response would have been uh, no. Uh, I think <laughs> Dallas Keuchel is going to make it in, into the big leagues. And I think he'll probably be maybe a reliable fourth or fifth starter. So if you're asking me to evaluate somebody in the minor leagues, I am definitely not the guy (laughs) to ask because I'm pretty sure I've missed a whole lot more than I've hit. But with Josh Young, he seems to be at least all that I've seen so far in the way of video, uh, the interviews that he's done. I only had the opportunity to talk with him very briefly at spring training this year. But this seems like the kind of guy who's about as close to a sure thing as you can get in baseball. You never know if it's going to translate. I don't know, to answer your question, what more can he do? I think if the Rangers are looking for more from him, it's not, can he have a higher batting average? Can he have more contact? Uh, I think what they probably just want to see are more games under his belt. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. The, the fact that, you know, he didn't, uh, you know, play for the bulk of this season. The number of games that he's played at the AAA level is not a lot. I, I don't know yeah. exactly what that number is, but, but. Really, over you can say overall, he hasn't played a whole, yeah. whole lot of games, you know. Right. I mean, yeah, it's not just the lack of experience at AAA. It's the lack of professional experience overall. Yeah. Uh, The thing that I think that a lot of uh, organizations like to see from a guy, including a guy like Young, who is a first round draft pick, who has all of these credentials is they they want to see the adjustment period. You know, a lot of guys can start out, uh, you know, hitting over 300 and driving the ball and hitting home runs. But at some point adjustments are going to be made and then he's got to make adjustments to those adjustments that are made to him. So I think they probably want to uh, see that uh, a little bit before throwing him into the fire of the big leagues and going, Hey, look, we've got our first round draft pick who's hitting 320 and this guy's the best. And then, you know, he comes to the big leagues and he's one for his first 22 and then everybody goes, uh, what's going on? Uh, Not to say that that's going to happen to Josh Young, but it takes me back to to my time, even before being a professional broadcaster, when I was a fan of the Baltimore Orioles in the late seventies and early eighties and Cal Ripken, when he first came up and Cal Ripken over his first month or two, you know, he was supposed to be, you know, the guy, he was going to elevate the Orioles to even greater heights than what they were experiencing at that time. And he comes up in his first couple of months and he's hitting like a buck 60 and people are like, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's, a, that's a Hall of Fame guy. Yeah. And he had a tough time, you know, at the beginning of his big league career. So when he gets called up will be the time that the Rangers decide this is the right time. him be coming up to the big right on and it's uh, you mentioned Dallas Tychle earlier and
0: it's it's gonna be very strange watching him don a ranger's <laughs> uniform and take them out <laughs> today. I know today. Oh that's just gonna be strange. But uh we'll we'll go ahead and wrap it up here and I am gonna talk about a funny conversation that you guys had on the radio and we tweeted about a little bit. Uh, Agua de Joe, Mrs. Hicks did not care for it, huh? <laughs>
1: Yeah, she still doesn't. Uh, I haven't oh, man. I haven't used that in a long time. But yeah, we had <laughs> a uh it was funny because it was a conversation that we had while we were in Minneapolis, Eric and I on the air. Uh, and it came from a live read that included Derek Holland in the live read. And Saunders, and- right? Yeah. yeah. Joe Saunders. Uh, say what? And Joe Saunders, right? Right. Well the Derek was in the live read, and so I did the read. And I was finished with that, you know, and I'm describing the pit next pitch or two. And I said, gee, you know, when I think about Derek Holland in Minneapolis, I, I think about the time that I went to the uh, Nicolette mall in downtown Minneapolis. And I I was out shopping and I happened to bump into Derek Holland and Joe Saunders uh, shopping. And and Derek says, hey, hey, what are you here to get? I said, you know what? I, I'm actually looking for some cologne. And Derek said, well, let me, I, let me tell you about a, um, a particular cologne that uh that I use. And so, you know, we go and we ask the person there and they say, Oh, yeah, we've got some. This Aqua de Joe from uh I believe it's uh what's the name of the uh Giorgio Armani. Giorgio Armani, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I try it and I'm like, Yeah, this is pretty good. So I end up getting some and I'm pretty excited about it because I'm not usually a guy who who wears cologne very often, if at all. <laughs> and I think, oh, my wife will love this. And uh so I, you know, I, I get home from that trip and I put it on and she's like, hey, what, what, what's that cologne? I go, oh, it's this new cologne I got. I, I went shopping with, the, with with a couple of the guys from the club. She goes, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> so um, shortly after that, she got me some cologne and she really likes it. And so I'll wear it from time to time. We're doing this podcast. She's not home right now. Um, and so I'll just say it. It's it's uh, I, I don't really like it. Uh, it's, it's not very good. It um, anyway, I'll I'll put it on from time to time if if, if we're going out. But I, I guess we just don't uh, see nose to nose on a certain
0: <laughs> It's it's funny you mentioned that because I don't know if you ever watched King of Queens, but I was uh, laying in bed last night and dozing off and watching it, and the episode came on where Doug's he gets this cologne that everybody loves, and he he goes home and Carrie doesn't like it at all. <laughs> and she tells him to take it back and get his money back. Well, because everybody else likes it, he starts hiding it in a in a cereal box and starts wearing it every day. You're not at that point, are you?
1: <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I, I, the, the cologne that she got for me, I used to take with me uh, on the road, and then I'm like, "Yeah, why bother?" So I, I I leave it at home, and like I say, occasionally I'll I'll uh, put it on if we're going to be going out somewhere. But other than that, I I don't wear cologne. Well, if,
0: if I if I bought you. Uh, Mrs. Hicks favorite cologne for you. Would you give us a shout out on the game today? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't even, I can't, you know, I, I use it so infrequently. I can't even remember the name of that. <laughs> one. So, but it was, it was kind of cool to, I, to tell the story only because it's rare kind of to bump into guys. Yeah. yeah never at home almost on the road is when we get a chance to see them. But, you know, to see, uh, major league uh, players just doing regular, uh, guy things, mm-hmm. um, it's always nice to, uh, to relay that to the listener. So, and,
0: and see, I'm a cologne connoisseur. I'm not the exact opposite of you, Ben. I've uh, <laughs> Matt, uh, I've I'm got, ben, like, yeah. I think, yeah, you're Ben. Um, <laughs> I have got like 11 different types of the cologne and I wear different 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 flavors for different colors that I wear. Wow. So, yeah,
1: I can, I, don't think I don't think I've purchased 11 bottles of cologne in my life.
0: I haven't purchased <laughs> any pretty, of that helps. Sure I, haven't. I I I I like my colognes <laughs> and everybody that's my trademark everybody that I see that I haven't seen in a long time they're like, "Oh, you always smell so good." I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. My trademark. And,
1: and you know what? And there's certain guys, you know, we'll be, uh, you know, walking around or whatnot. And there's certain guys with the club that, you know, that that will wear cologne. I'm like, man, that, why does that guy always smell so good? <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's nobody out there going, you know, Hicksie smells good all the time.
2: All right, Matt, on that note, um, if you guys don't listen to the Rangers radio broadcast, you're crazy. The guys do a great job on TV, but I love listening to you and Sandler and and Nadell and Zach Wolchuk when he's on. You guys do a fantastic job. So, Matt, thank you so much for joining us this morning.
1: Thank you very much for the compliment and appreciate the opportunity to chat with you guys. Yes, sir. Have
0: a great game today, Matt. You you on today, Sandler tomorrow, and then we (laughs) need to get uh, Eric back on. We've had all three of you on before. We, we just need to schedule it with Eric and, and complete yep. the trifecta pretty quick.
1: That yeah, sounds pretty good. <laughs> All
0: right, Matt. Thank you, sir.
1: Take care. Thanks for listening to the Ranger Report podcast. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and at therangerreport.com.